Welcome to Music Nerds Unite. This is Scott Floman again with my brother Keith Floman and our buddy Larry Waldman. In this episode, we'll be starting the second round of our greatest rock album tournament covering the years 2000 to 2019. Like usual, we have some great matchups. These albums have already won hotly contested matchups in round one. So without further ado, let's get started. The first matchup is the number one overall seed Radiohead with Kid A from 2000 versus the number 17 overall seed Agalak with the Mantle from against Agala with the mantle. talk about Kid A, uh, which is the number one seed in this entire tournament. 
like the prior Radiohead album, the masterful OK Computer, which was in our album tournament covering the 60s through the 90s, Kid A touches upon technological anxiety. Remember, this was written as a Y2K scare approach. For those of you who are old enough to remember that, believe me, it was a big deal. Many people legitimately feared for the end of the world, even though it turned out to be much ado about nothing. This highly experimental album sees Radiohead as a reconfigured band. They were no longer a guitar-driven band, as the guitars were largely replaced by electronics and studio manipulations, a move that not everyone agreed with, but by and large, this is a much-beloved album, so the majority of people certainly went along with it. Though I admit I do sometimes miss the guitars myself, the album can be twitchy and make you feel uncomfortable, like on Idiotech, which we just played in this matchup intro, in which the online music publication Pitchfork picked as their number one song of the entire 2000s. But it can also be desolate and beautiful, like on How to Disappear Completely, one of the saddest, loneliest songs you'll ever hear. on Kid A, only optimistic really, which we played previously in episode 27. The national anthem, which we also played previously, is quite heavy, but it's not really a rock song. Completely insane free jazz is more like it. Regardless of labels, and this mostly mellow album definitely has aspects of subgenres like post-rock and ambient music as well, Kid A is filled with classic songs, if not hits, and it's one of those greater than the sum of its parts albums just like I suspect most of the albums left in this tournament are going to be. It also has one of the best album covers in the tournament. It looks like the album sounds cold yet majestic. Kid A is an innovative, broodingly downbeat mood album that I need to be in the mood for. When in the right mood, there aren't many albums I pick over it. On to Agalic. Am I saying that right? Agalic, right? Is that, is that right? Yeah, close enough? Yeah, we know. I mean, that's what I would call it. I call it. Well, actually, I think actually, you know, I, I call it Agalock. Yeah, Agalock. Agalock. All right, onto Agalock. I have First, a silent GH, but yeah, Agalock. Not 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 like you're Yiddish, you know. Not I'm just hard. gonna say. I'm just gonna say the mantle. There you go. The mantle probably. <laughs> 
First of all, we all realize that this is an album that the majority of our listeners probably won't get. Not only is it heavy metal, which itself isn't for everybody, but it has the growly death metal vocals that some people might find off-putting. But you like uh, you like how that last clip, I there was none to be none to be heard. Yeah, you almost exactly. Fake, almost fake. You could fake people out into thinking it's just a regular. Well, that's I was just going to segue into that, that they, they do have more palatable, smooth vocals as well. So it, it does kind of offset it. And and the, the album is largely instrumental anyway. Now, I would say don't be put off by them. Give the album a try be, because it is a special album. Uh, the main appeal of the mantle to me is the incredible wintry atmosphere it conjures. When listening to it, I always see snow-covered, desolate landscapes in my mind. It's all about the mood and the imagery for me. And, and again, this is a heavy metal album, so it rocks out at times as well. But it's quote-unquote a folk metal album, too. So it's more mellow than super heavy overall. And the album is often quite beautiful. The near 15-minute In the Shadow of Our Pale Companion, which we played in episode 27, and again at the beginning of this episode, is one of the greatest epic metal songs ever, in my opinion. There are other excellent songs here, like You Were But a Ghost in My Arms, which we also played previously. I Am the Wooden Doors, which we played in this matchup intro, and this song, The Hawthorne Passage.
Are those horns I hear? The, the juxtaposition between Hawthorne and Disappear is fantastic. Well, well chosen, by the way. Yeah, the drumming, the drumming's great in that song. Phenomenal. Damn, good stuff. Well done, Keith. Uh, my pick uh, how to disappear completely, so I'll take partial credit. <laughs> I just think I just think it's fantastic that independently you guys picked two songs, but then I will give Scott credit for at least sequencing them. But the the sequencing there is quite good. Thank you. The mantle features an impressive mix of acoustic and electric guitars. It's a largely instrumental album, and there are many excellent instrumental moments. So post-metal or post-rock as a label is accurate as well, in addition to folk metal. Post-rock being bands also featured in this tournament, like the dearly departed Sigur Rus and Godspeed You Black Emperor, who we'll be discussing again later. So we have two gloomy, evocative, coldly beautiful albums that are nevertheless nothing like each other. Both are great mood albums, heavy on atmosphere. The Radiohead album is certainly the bigger, more important, more mainstream album, and it's better paced at a near-perfect 47 minutes, whereas the Mantle runs a little long at 68 minutes, which is a big reason why I previously picked Mastodon to beat the Mantle in the first round. Still, props to the Mantle. It's a great and uniquely singular album, but I think all of us knew right away that Kid A was going to take this matchup and move on to the Elite Eight. What do you guys say? <laughs> I I kind of feel I kind of feel like Keith and I should just you know move on to the next matchup. But well, can we call it the Elite Eight, even though there's only what thirty six teams, yeah. quote unquote teams? Yeah, why not? It's still going to be eight. It's still going to be eight, eight left, eight. and they're still elite. So um, a couple of things, I guess, about about the two of these albums. Um, first of all, I totally agree that with. Agala, and I did look up. That is how. You, that is at least as best as I can figure it out. That is how you say it. Um, I probably should have looked that up before the episode. But yeah. and it's you know, and it's 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 all with like diacritics and weird things that I don't really understand. But apparently, that is how you say it. Anyway, um, I do think that you nailed it in terms of what it evokes, which is sort of a moody Pacific Northwest wintry, foggy uh, vibe. Now. If you didn't know that it was death metal, and I think if you took out some of the um, some of the the death metal like screams, if you were listening to it more as background music, I'm not sure that you would pick it out as such. Like there's there's definitely uh, a folk vibe to it. Like when we're listening to Wooden, I mean Wooden sounds almost like Fairpoint, you know, Fairport Convention, right? It's got like a an English folk vibe to it, right? And if this was all instrumental, and a lot of it is, it's it's almost like, you know, atmospheric mood music, right? And, and I actually do put this on a lot of times as I'm working or doing something else because it's great background music to listen to, to evoke a certain type of mood or a certain type of concentration. And the musicianship is, is phenomenal. I, I, I love this album and I really do listen to it quite often. It's like, I would say it's, it's kind of in a, a pretty regular rotation for me, depending on, on what I'm trying to do. Um, Kid A, obviously, Kid A in in some you know instances is considered the best album of all time. Depending on on which uh, which list you want to look at, it is funny to me though. If you guys remember, and I remember when I bought it, I bought it when it first came out. It was very mixed. The the reception, like there were lots of critics that that literally hated it and thought it was terrible and thought that Radiohead was committing career suicide. Um, you know, as as you said, Scott. 
it's not a guitar driven album. It's it's more like at some points an uh, electronic, almost like harkening back to Krautrock or IDM or EDM in some cases. I, I hear a little like, born. I hear a little born slippy. Isn't it? Little born slippy. Right. Yeah, little, 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 little talk talk. A little um uh like Brian Eno ambient type music, like music for airports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um and and yet it does it does have a a the, the more you listen to it, the more you get the cohesive vibe and what they're what they're trying to put together. And I do think in many cases this was Radiohead making a statement of saying basically we're not necessarily going to hold to normal convention of what everyone thinks we should do. We're just going to make music and sort of do what we want to do. Something that they've continued to do throughout their career. I mean, they were one of the first bands to just distribute by streaming. Um, I don't remember if Kid A was streaming. I do remember, um, I think it was uh, in Rainbows. Rainbows. I think I paid a penny for In Rainbows. Oh, wow. I paid $10. I paid $10 for In Rainbows. I remember. I'm like, you know what? Radiohead's giving me a lot of good moments. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to cough up 10 bucks. I, assume it. I, assume. I think for King of Limbs, though, I paid less. I think I might have been like, eh, you know, it's been a rough year. Maybe I'll only give Radiohead like seven. It wasn't as good either. So, and, and King of Limbs isn't nearly as good as In Rainbows. I mean, In Rainbows could be could be a top seed in this tournament, Absolutely. but we, we only we only allowed one album. Um, so, you know, again, I, I always hate doing this to Keith, but I, I'm going to go with Kid A two, and you know, make, make Keith's vote slightly meaningless. But I I do kind of sense that he might probably be done that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any mystery or or you know yeah. this one. I well, he, think all he, we could do is is extol the virtues of Aga as well. Keith is our resident, you know, one of our resident metalheads. So so that that you know you never know. He could throw us a curveball. By the way, I know it's coming up in a couple, but uh I thought I remember reading at one point that Agalock was influenced by Godspeed, that they said they were listening to uh to Godspeed when they were recording the album and that as part of the part of the reason why there's so many instrumentals and part of the reason they were going for a very specific atmospheric vibe was that influence so yeah i could i could definitely hear that you can you can hear it yeah, yeah. and and for those who don't know who fairport convention is uh they were a supremely talented uh british folk rock band uh who peaked in i i would say the late 60s when they had sandy yeah. denny and Richard Thompson. And Richard Thompson. Sandy Danny was an amazing singer who you may know from Led Zeppelin's The Battle of Evermore. That's right. And she guest vocaled. And, uh, and Richard Thompson has had a long, amazing career. Uh, we could do a whole episode on Richard Thompson. So yeah. uh, anyway, just wanted to point that out before uh, Keith takes over and gives us his two cents. So I really, I wasn't really planning on having this be a big, um, you know, debate as to which art which album is going to be going on because it's pretty clear that today is going to win this matchup and um i endorse that too i mean today is a giant it's a giant for right um it sort of casts a shadow on the, the decades to follow you know as we entered into the into the millennium um but i will echo sort of the comments on the mantle where it's like you know, we joke, right? You put the mantle on and my fireplace immediately, you know, starts, starts, uh, you know, bursting into flames, <laughs> even if I didn't have a log in there. Uh, you know, it has that, it does have that, that feel like it just, it just immediately teleports you into like a 
the mind space. And it is true. Like it's one of the few, like, um, and you can call it sort of, you know, it, it, it does fall under the umbrella of like extreme metal, but it's, but it's mood, it is mood music, right? It's, it's the most, it's one of the, it, it probably is one of the metal albums that, that I played the most, <laughs> right? Because it, it is so sort of easy to put it on and sort of listen to it and not have it be, dis- you know, an over, overly distracting, um, but it still is, you know, it still is a cool piece to listen to. So I agree with Scott where, you know, it's, it's an album where you got to get over sort of the fact that there may be some rally vocals in there, but the overall listen itself is not, it's not a hard one. It's not that difficult to sort of, it's not like other, you know, sort of more extreme metal where, you really need to, even even the converge yeah, album, converge. <laughs> like Champagne though, and um, where it's just it's it's a it's a harder you know album to um, you really need to commit to it. Whereas this album is sort of easier to consume and um, and appreciate, I think, and uh, it's definitely a worthwhile you know. And there are great moments in the album, and it's you know it is a great. It is a great overall listen, and you could put it on and just listen to it front to back. Um, but that said, you know, today is the rightful victor here. It, um, like I said, it's sort of, you know, is a giant, um, you know, statement piece for Radiohead. Right? It, it, you know, it, 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 in some ways, right? Radiohead, like Pearl Jam, tried to distance themselves, right? Tried to forge sort of, you know, a non-commercial path and. And Radiohead just did it better, you know, where they they were, you know, trying to do different things and, you know, not go towards, you know, the commercial, you know, avenue, but their creativity and their creative outlet was just, uh, you know, and today is a per- perfect personification of that. All right. Um, the Mantle, also great album cover. Right, it, it, yeah, it evokes the music, right? Totally. Um, There's actually this 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 group might have some of the best album covers of the ones that we've done. All of them are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, finally, I, I have a little story. Uh, you know, we're always raving about Radiohead and their importance as maybe the most critically acclaimed band since the Beatles, but their stature is largely with music nerds. They're very successful. Their album releases are always a big deal within the industry, and they can sell at large venues, but they're not a big radio band. I had dinner with a bunch of people about a month ago, and my friend brought up the podcast. So we were talking about it, and several of the people at this dinner had never even heard of Radiohead. And even more funny, at least to me, one person was completely baffled that Maroon 5 wasn't in our greatest band tournament. So I, I, think, assume, I assume this is the last time you're having dinner with these people. Probably. Yeah. So my point is, you know, things we take for granted, like the greatness of Radiohead, may not necessarily translate beyond the world of music nerds. I don't know. Maybe uh, hey, I, look, I was just creep, having dinner with the wrong people. I don't know. Creep, creep is still their biggest. <laughs> creep is still their biggest hit, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Well, so it's, well, it's worth noting great. that you know when when we talk about Radiohead in certain terms, it, it may not, that things that are obvious to us may not be as obvious to the oh, people, yeah, some sure. of the people we're talking oh. to. Well, you may not, I don't know if you saw it. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, 
don't know if you saw, you know, the Foo Fighters opened up Madison Square Garden um, with their first show post post COVID. Um, but I saw them for, at City Field, by the way. So bigger than MSG, even. Well, I, the, the, I'm making a separate point, right. <laughs> which is that um, for one of the songs, they brought Dave Chappelle out, and Dave Chappelle led a rendition of "Creep." <laughs> cool. Wow. So it's got to be on it, YouTube, right? It, it, it's on YouTube, so it's you know, it's pretty. How uh, do you do? I mean, he's basically. You know, he's not a singer. Let's put it that way. But, uh, <laughs> but he's a show, but he's a showman. So it's you know, there you so. go. Yeah, he can make up for that. Well, right. Scott, I don't know if this makes your dinner any any less bearable or not. But as, as a, very nice people, I don't. I'm wanna... sure they're very nice people. And if they're listening to this podcast, I, I don't mean to insult your lack of musical taste. I don't um, think they are. Okay, um, <laughs> but I think as you guys know, whenever after I have my my leadership meetings, I I send out a recap, and in it, I always put a song. And I've done a couple times of Radiohead, and and many of my managers and leaders have literally said to me, like, "Dude, I, I just don't I don't get Radiohead. I'm sorry, I don't understand. <laughs> you know what's wrong with you, but I don't like it." And I'm like, "No, no, no. There, there's something wrong with you. Keep trying, keep trying. And this is going to affect your performance review." But. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next matchup. So we have the number eight overall seed, The Strokes, with "Is This It" versus the number twenty-four overall seed. Bone Iver with For Emma Forever Ago from 2007. from the strokes and again they're going up against Bone E. Bear with For Emma Forever Ago. Yeah. 
talked about the Strokes previously, about how along with the White Stripes, they led the much-hyped garage rock revival of the early 2000s, and how they were also leaders of the then-thriving New York City indie rock scene that also spawned several other bands who were in this tournament, like Interpol and LCD Sound System. Like Interpol, the Strokes' first album set an impossibly high standard that they've had a tough time living up to, though I like many of their subsequent albums as well. In fact, I thought their album, The New Abnormal, from last year was great and their best album in ages. Is This It was an instant classic. That's a rare album that I loved upon first listen, and it's still an album that I listen to often. As mentioned previously, it's not the most original album, but they take their influences, the Velvet Underground, Television, Iggy Pop, and the New York Dolls among them, and they make their own thing out of them. Singer Julian Casablancas is a bit monotone, but his delivery has a deadpan cool that's highly charismatic, and they're a tight musical unit. These may be simple songs, but these guys can really play. Ultimately, it's about the songs. Is This It is filled with great, catchy, instantly memorable songs. With some of these albums, we struggle with which songs, which parts of those songs to play for each episode in order to best showcase a particular album's strength. But with the strokes, I can play almost any song and almost any part of any song. It really doesn't matter. It's going to be good. Speaking of which, here's Someday, one of the most instantly gratifying songs on the album, and I believe a big favorite of Larry's. criticize the album, I'd say that maybe a couple of songs are a little less than essential and that some of them are a bit same sounding due to the band's limited range. But by and large, the strokes recycled rocks past in gloriously entertaining fashion on Is This It? And the album has aged exceptionally well over the years. It was a classic then, it's a classic now, and it'll be a classic album 50 years from now. 
Well, are we including are we including New York City cops or the non the other or version? The, the one or the, the the fact that they pulled it off because of the timing of the album? Yeah, yeah. You, I was going to make a point about that later, but we're talking about either one. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I can't wait to I can't wait to hear you talk about that. All right. On to Boney Vera, who we also talked about previously to recap. Sensitive dude, and I cracked up last time I read this, so hopefully we'll I'll do a little better this yeah, time. Yeah, give him give give Justin a little more credit this time. Sensitive dude with a long beard and an acoustic <laughs> guitar. <laughs> well, that didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Breaks up with his girlfriend, goes to an isolated cabin in the Wisconsin woods, and writes and performs an instantly legendary album, largely about the pain and heartbreak of said breakup, and maybe some prior breakups as well. This album spawned a seemingly endless amount of indie folk rock artists with acoustic guitars and long beards, but few of his followers have matched the power and emotional <laughs> residence of this album. <laughs> and though Bone Iver and a that Larry, you correct me last time. I, I got the pronunciation right now, I believe. Yes. Like the Strokes has done some very good work since with the follow-up Bon Iver. Bon Iver in particular also being highly acclaimed. I and many others would argue that this first album is still the best Bon Iver album. We played Skinny Love in a prior episode, which to me is an all-time classic, and for Emma, which is great as well. And we played the fantastic lead-off track Flume at the start of this matchup. This album has great opening and closing tracks, and R.E. Stacks is a superb closing track, which I expected Keith to pick for this matchup, since he was tasked with selecting the Boney Bear songs. He picked a less depressing lump sum instead, another fine choice, which we're going to play now. So That's that's uplifting for Bonnie there. 
Yeah. <laughs> when, so relative. When, when I hear stocks, I always end up curled up in a fetal position. I didn't feel that would be great for you know, a podcast. Yeah, we probably couldn't have finished the episode then. So good choice. So that's a great scene also. And and as you can hear in that song, Bon Iver main man Justin Vernon has a striking voice. It's often hushed and intimate. But it's also often multi-tracked, a haunting effect with many a stirring falsetto along the way. The acoustic based music is often spare, but can also be more fully fleshed out and lush. And though there's a certain sameness and uniformity of sound that permeates this collection, it has a hallucinatory spellbinding power. Unlike most of our favorite albums, it works best as a cohesive whole. Although there's some truth to the complaints I've heard, that the album is more about its overall ambience than individual songs. That's why the Strokes win this matchup for me. The songs on Is This It are simply catchier and more consistently memorable. There are more songs that I put on personal playlists than the Bon Iver album. Also, whereas for Emma, Forever Ago is a sad mood album, I'm pretty much always in the mood for Is This It. So... Although I feel for Emma Forever Ago is also a classic of its type, this was an easy call for me. On to you guys. If you don't pick the strokes, I'm going to be seriously bummed out here with all due respect to Boney Bear because for Emma Forever Ago is a fantastic album as well. So before I, I talk about these albums and reveal my pick, didn't the strokes almost lose to Sigurus? They did. Yeah. Okay, so is this it? I distinctly remember when Is This It came out because I, as I think, Scott, you, you said you were going to talk about that uh, it, it came out on a very unfortunate day. I, I was going to wait till you guys were done. But okay. Go ahead. All right. No, no, that's okay. That's fine. I'll, yeah, I don't I'll, have that. It's not that I have anything so like fascinating to say. So. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, but but I I do remember I do remember when it came out. I actually don't remember that it came out the specific day that it did, but I remember afterwards because it was kind of like a like like a punch in the face or or like a bolt of lightning. It was it was so different. There's a buzz. There's a buzz before for for them, right? Yeah, for, oh, you know, people were waiting yeah. for it to come out, but I don't remember hearing it before, and and that's just because again the way music was back in the early two thousands compared to the way the way it is now. You kind of, for the most part, you either heard it on the radio or you kind of had a hope that you knew somebody or you had to wait till it came out. And I had to wait until it came out, at least. Not and uh, back then, out. print music publications were still big. So you would see them on the cover of Rolling Stone, Rock is Back, you know, yeah. that, that kind of hype. Yeah. I actually, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I think I saw them on the cover of like Entertainment Weekly saying Rock is Back. But either way, I still found yeah. out about them kind of early on. And this was one of those we've all had them one of those albums where immediately it's you know in your cd player at the time and it doesn't leave and you just continue to listen to it over and over again like like you said it's an instant classic it feels like it come out could have come out in any era it's like a good throwback but yet also consistently good throughout and could fit in any era of rock and, and I think that's what was just so so amazing about it is that, you know, we forget and we've talked many times in many episodes about how rock was sort of deteriorating in the, in the 90s and early 2000s. Then all of a sudden this came out and then a little bit later the White Stripes came out. But it was like, oh, my God, rock, rock is not dead. Rock is still alive. And, and you can still make a really great rock album with great, catchy songs. And 
as Scott said, yeah, Someday is one of my favorite songs. Like, not favorite songs on the album, one of my favorite songs because and it's, it's, it's like stripped down, unapologetic rock. It's phenomenal. And in some ways, right, Radiohead was working to kill to kill off rock with Kid A, right? I mean, is, there's some of that where they were taking rock yeah, in a Kid, different Kid A is type. literally a reaction to, to Radiohead becoming a rock band and, like, the trappings of a rock band, and they just, that's not what they wanted to do. And, you know, they wanted to make their own music, whereas this was, this was like, a, a diametrically opposed to it. Now, I do think that Emma is a phenomenal album, but... The difference for me is that we're, with the Strokes, I can put on any number of songs and put them onto a playlist or listen to them. Whereas Emma, you kind of have to listen to all at once. And it is great to listen to it all at once. And it's a phenomenal album. And yeah, it's very angsty and all that. And, you know, in some cases, a little moody. And, and I don't know if you guys ever saw or remember, there's kind of a funny SNL skit where it's something like like the, the West family reunion where it's Kanye... West and Kim Kardashian with their new baby and then Jay-Z and Beyonce come over and they're hanging out. And then at the time, because if you guys remember, Bon Iver played on uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye and he's played by Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z and Beyonce and Kanye and Kim are all talking and Justin Vernon's playing in the background and all of a sudden Beyonce goes, oh no. Boney Bear has fallen asleep and he's playing the guitar and he falls asleep while he's playing because it is kind of that kind of an album. Yeah, it's kind of moody and you could probably fall asleep to it if you're, you know, you're suffering from insomnia. It is a beautiful, great album, but the one that I'm going to probably pick more songs from is Is This It. And so Is This It goes on. Some of my favorite albums are albums I go to sleep to now. Well, there you go. Yeah. And also, just the, the White Stripes actually came before the Strokes, but their well, break, I discovered the Strokes before the White Stripes. Their, their breakthrough was basically the same year, but they uh, actually okay. had two albums before that. Yeah, for Emma is um, it's almost too crushing an album at times <laughs> to be, you know, to to listen to too too frequently because. You know, like Blindside, like I mentioned that, like Blindside and Stacks are just songs that, you know, if you listen to it too deeply, you know, it's it, it hurts. You know? um, so, Scott, you're, you, you've already, you know, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Strokes are moving on. I was going to, I picked the Strokes too here. I think there's almost, you know, from the, from the day the brackets were announced, it was an inevitability of Kid A versus this is it. Um, and, you know, in terms of all the brackets, I mean, to me, this is the one that jumped out where we've got our final, you know, our, our, yeah, to me, that that could be the final. I mean, could be the, it could be the, could be the final. If right. Could, if, if the brackets were different, it could have yeah. been, yeah. that's the type of uh, matchup it is. But, um, but yeah, yeah. To, to me, to, but, Look, for Emma is is just, it it was a ground you know in, in some ways it was a groundbreak. I mean, look, Larry just mentioned right. Kanye recruited you know Justin to you know for, for you know a hip hop album and you know and and Skinny Love's been covered how many times by now, right? Um, some of that which are more you know more popular than than the Body of Air version. Um, yeah. Uh, so it it was 
you know, it, it's it is a cla- it is a classic album. Un- unquestionably, is a, a classic album. But this is it is just a little bit more of a classic rock. You know, it's a classic rock album, and it it does have you know like top to bottom, um, you know, the, the strength of the songs and you know they they were sort of the research right the, the reemergence of part of that wave of the reemergence of um, of rock, which maybe never really left um but you know they, they they certainly brought it back hard from a commercial um from a commercial standpoint where um you know we would say you know there's always wilco and madison and all these other rock artists but um but this is it was certainly a you know a rock album but it was also a you know a huge hit and um and it's you know like scott said it, it's aged well it's 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 like the new york version of the night you know the 2000s new york version of of the stone roses from you know in, in the late 80s right where it's Except big in america instead of the uk big in america right but also right starting sort of a new a, a new sort of wave of, of that type of music Scott, which version of the album cover is your favorite? Hmm. Because they're both great album covers. Yeah, I'm I'm more used to the one without the butt on it. (laughs) The the buttless one? You're used to the one that's more of the fractal one, not the butt. Yeah, yeah. So I I guess that's the one I think of. I think of the butt. I I think of the butt. I think that's the one I had. Uh, now to a couple of final notes. So now we'll get to it. Uh, I was just going to say that the U.S. version of Is This It? This differs from the international version of the album, which has a song called New York City Cops, which was critical of the men and women in blue due to the Amadou Diallo tragedy, uh, which was obviously a big deal back then. Uh, but after 9-11, you know, after the heroic sacrifices that were made on that awful day, um, you know, that song was replaced in the U.S. with when it started. And uh, I agree with that decision. And uh, I think it's a better song. So uh, I think the U.S. version is it was improved by that personally. What do you guys think? I think I think that at the time it was a smart decision to do. I also think it's a good decision to put it back on um, on streaming services now because you shouldn't censor art. And so I thought, I think that, you know, whether or not I agree with the sentiment or not, it should still be out there. But I totally understand why they pulled it. Uh, and both versions, I mean, you still have both versions out there. And yeah. like, if you're. And I don't think either one of those songs are highlights. Like, they're, they're both yeah. two of the weaker songs on the album. Yeah, agreed. So, I mean. So, Scott, The Strokes or Stone Roses, which, which album are you picking? Oh, boy. Ooh. Hmm. Got it. That's good. Sneak attack. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I I, I would probably debut have both to debut two debut albums, right? I would probably. Uh, that's tough because I listen to them both a lot. Love them both you a only, lot. You can only take one of them to your desert island. Strokes, I think you know did more subsequently, but that's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go with the Stone Roses, but it's it's not something that I don't need to think about. You know, it's it's a tough one. I think the highlights well, are high. Would you like to take to your desert island, Keith? I think I'd go Star Wars too. 
Yeah, I would go Stone Roses also. Yeah, I think if we're picking the five best songs, you know, three or four of them would be from the Stone Roses. That's the difference. Um, also, 2007 may be the best single year in this tournament. In addition to For Ammo Forever Ago, that year gave us other great albums that we've talked about in this tournament, like Sound of Silver, Boxer, Oracular Spectacular, and Person Pitch, along with other celebrated albums that weren't eligible for this tournament because we picked other, even better albums from that band, like Radiohead's In Rainbow, Arcade Fire's Neon Bible, and Wilco's Sky Blue Sky. So if we ever have that greatest year in rock tournament, we, which we talked about in previous episodes, 2007 will be a contender to be in it. So and our, and our current rate of production, that might be in 2025, but, you know, <laughs> you will step but, up. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the best single year in this tournament. So yeah. uh, worth noting. All right, the next matchup is the number two overall seed, Godspeed, You Black Emperor, with Lift Your Skinny Fist Like Antennas to Heaven from 2000. Versus the number 18 overall seed, Broken Social Scene, with You Forgot It In People from 2003. And, and be forewarned, this uh, next clip from Storm is, is a little long, but, you know, I, I think the shortest song on the album is like 18 minutes long. So we didn't have much of a choice. So uh, And it's worth uh, listening to. It's, it's really uh, spectacular. Check it out.
Wow. Horns, Keith. What do you think, man? <laughs> Fucking horns. There you go. I, I also think I also feel compelled to point out as as epic as that was, that's from three minutes to six minutes of a 22 and a half minute song. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that wasn't even the part you picked out in the prior episode, right? That's so right. there are other parts of the songs that are just as good, arguably. Yep. So anyway, they're going up against a broken social scene with You Forgot It In People. talked about both of these bands previously in episode 28 godspeed you black emperor or maybe the quintessential post-rock band the subgenre we've discussed previously and they make truly majestic and highly unique mood music they're an all-instrumental band who are also effectively used spoken word field recordings most notably at the beginning of the song sleep which are going to play now It was Coney Island, they called Coney Island the playground of the world. There was no place like it in the whole world, like Coney Island when I was a youngster. No place in the world like it. It was so fabulous. Now it shrunk down to almost nothing, you see. (laughs) 
and, and I still remember in my mind how things used to be. And, uh, you know, I feel very bad. But people from all over the world came here. All over the world. It was a playground. They called it the playground of the world over here. Anyways, uh, so, but I, uh, you know, I even got, when I was, a, when I was very small, I even got lost in Coney Island, but they found me on the, on, on the beach. And we used to sleep on the beach here, sleep overnight. They, I, they don't do it anymore. Things changed, see. They don't sleep anymore on the beach. Something about that intro, it really gets to me. Maybe because Keith and I used to go to Coney Island sometimes when we were much younger. Anyway, the music of Godspeed is as much classical as it is rock. Typically, their songs start simply, and then they slowly add layers of instrumentation, including horns, as you heard in that, uh, that clip. Eventually, the songs build to beautifully soaring crescendos before beginning the process all over again. There are limitations to this repeatedly rising and falling formula, but the band's massive symphonic sound hit some beautifully thrilling high points along the way. The band's music also typically has an undercurrent of sadness that is deeply affecting, and in addition to boasting a celestial beauty, there are much darker moments as well. On the downside, this 87-minute album runs far too long. Keith referenced King Crimson's Moonchild the last time we talked to illustrate the problem with filler that this album has, as there are some extended lulls along the way. However, the massive highs here largely overwhelm the lows, and at their ultra-intense hypnotic best, God's Bleed You Black Emperor makes brilliantly unclassifiable headphone music. On to the Canadian collective Broken Social Scene and their signature album, You Forgotten In People. We mentioned previously how many different people contribute to the band and how, like Godspeed, they often use non-standard rock instrumentation to make things sound more interesting. Yet the album's sound is very cohesive, and generally speaking, the album is comprised of good mood pieces, several of which are instrumental in nature and feature post-rocky atmospherics and epic build-ups and great major highlights. Even the lesser songs here are highly listenable, and again, the best songs that will really make this album a modern-day alternative rock classic. We played Almost Crimes, Anthem of a 17-Year-Old Girl, and Cause Equals Time previously in episode 28, and all are excellent. And we played Casey Accidental at the start of this matchup, and that song is also great. And here's another highlight for me, the summary Pacific theme. <laughs> Thank you. 
at the spot. Keith was grinning ear to ear when they came on. That's just one of those songs you know, sitting poolside in the summer and it's just perfect. There are other songs that we could have and maybe still will play as well like Stars and Suns, Lovers Spit and the memorably titled I'm Still Your Fag. As Every song on the album is at least solid and there's enough variety helped in part by having multiple vocalists and enough grower tracks in addition to the obvious highlights to always keep me coming back for more, even after many listens. There's a reason that this album is often considered to be among the best rock albums of the 2000s. Ultimately, I'm picking You Forgot It In People because I think the Broken Social Scene album fits more moves, and for all its thrilling high points, I have to detract the fillerish lows that are on the Godspeed album since the Broken Social Scene album isn't similarly flawed. Obviously, You Forgotten In People is a more song-based album. There are plenty of songs from the album that I put into my many various Spotify playlists, but I also feel like its parts work together very well. It's a cohesive album that's very enjoyable from start to finish. The Godspeed album is great as well, and it's the more unique album. But there will be times when you'll probably be a bit bored waiting for that next surge of greatness. So I'm picking the less flawed album here. Broken Social Scene and You Forgot and then people move on to the next round if I get my way. I suspect that you're both going to back me up on this one, but let's find out. 
I still feel as though there's more to lift your skinny fists and I still need to unpack and that I still need to listen to and I still need to experience because every time I listen to it, I find or hear or feel something new and something different. And so there's, I feel like I have a lot more listens of it before I'm done with it and really ready to sort of make my, my call on it. Um, I think that You Forgotten in People is a great rock pop album. And, and interestingly, um, and part of the reason I picked Pacific Theme, because that was uh, Broken Social Scene was one of my, my uh, albums to pick the calls for, is that their first album is an instrumental album. It was more like of that indie, math rocky, ambient type of thing. And this is Broken Social Scene stepping out a little bit, adding many, many vocalists and adding a lot more uh, diversity, I think, to their sound than in their, their previous album. And, and also in their subsequent albums, too. I mean, I think they continue to evolve as a collective often does, you know, taking sort of the vibe and feel of their different constituents going forward. Um, and again, I mean, I, it's not like you throw, you know, Godspeed on at a party and, and have people start hanging out. Whereas there's like five, six, seven songs on on You Forgot It and People that you put onto a playlist and, and any of them really fit. But partially because I'm, more intrigued to hear how Keith feels about this and to add a little drama to the podcast. And partially because I do still think that I, I still, there's still more of Godspeed to experience. I'm, I'm going to go contrarian here and, and pick, pick, uh, lift your skinny fists and leave it up to Keith. All right. So it's up to me this time. Finally, I sort of, um, of all of, of the matchups, I'm not surprised that this one, um, gets a split vote just because of how you know the two the two bands are very different. The albums are very different, and um, might be acquired taste. Uh, it was funny hearing Broken Social Scene described as a rock album in in some ways because you know it's the vocals are not necessarily rock, um, but there's definitely jam elements to you know, to the album and um, it's definitely, you know, in the end, it's a rock album. Um, damn, Godspeed. You're right, Larry, and that Godspeed is a, you know, there's depth to it that that takes, you know, like every time you listen to it, you find something else um, to sort of latch on to. Um, and there are moments in Godspeed that literally, you know, make you start tearing up, right? Like it's, it's that intense, like the, the moments there are that intense where you literally, you know, it, it's where music, you know, has a physical react, you know, you have a physical reaction to it, um, it's like uh, we talk about with Shigo Ross, right? That it's almost like a religious experience. It's the kind of music that when you listen to you're gl- you're glad to be alive. Like this is so right. Exactly. So right. Um, that said, I, I hear you. Right, Tack Tack was that album where it does have that, um, you know, those moments that bring you to you know like a height. Um, I do think. 
I honestly think tact brings you to even greater a greater height just because sort of you know how uplifting it is, right? How uplifting it is. Well, it has vocals. It has vocals, vocals, but it's also you know it's also more like heavenly, right? Like tack is this heavenly sound, right? It really is, you know, like from yeah, from the like heavens down, another world or another another plane or something. Yeah. Whereas whereas Godspeed is more, you know, like just you know, it's a grind. It's sort of a grinding you to, you know, that that those highs. It's it's less godlike and it's more just you know like from the earth. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, I mean, I still have trouble getting through Godsmack, like the uh, Godsmack, Godspeed, Godsmack. Yeah, I, have, I have trouble I, getting through Godsmack too. I definitely have trouble getting through Godsmack, but. But Godspeed, I have trouble get I have trouble getting through the album where I'm engaged for the whole album, right? Where you know I where I don't lose focus. Um, you would never talk about Moonchild with Broken Social Scenes. <laughs> I would not talk. No, Broken Social Scene is a collection of try to change things change up where you know that song A is turned into song B is turned into song C, whereas you know. Godspeed is, you know, it's almost like this continuum. Like again, it's hard to differentiate. You know where, right? The, the Coney Island is the breakup of <laughs> of the album, right? It's like that moment where you get interested again because you know there's something different that's happening, um, and and while you know the high the highs of, of Godspeed are really really high i mean they you know like you listen to those clips and you're like my god that's freaking amazing um i do think in the end you know i'm gonna listen to you know you forgot it is an album that when it came out i was hooked from the beginning um and i just and i i was with you larry like for round one i was and, and you guys both picked Godspeed, so it didn't come to me, but I was going to pick it anyway, just because, you know, I felt like there's still more to, to discover with the album. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've still try, I've tried, I've continued to try and, you know, I just, I don't, I honestly, I, I can have it on and I just, you know, there, I just forget it's on too much. I think I think the last one it was either I don't know maybe it was this or a different album. You said something about the fact that like you were listening to it and then all of a sudden it was playing another Godspeed album and you didn't even know, right? No, no, yeah, it yeah. wasn't even a, it wasn't a Godspeed album. Different band, I, forgot, right? I, I, didn't, I forgot to mention that the song that was playing wasn't even a Godspeed album. It was, it, it was, it was yeah. a, a completely different band. That, the Spotify you know, algorithm took over. <laughs> well, it was um, titled, but it was yeah, it was it was a a. Godspeed like song, but it wasn't Godspeed and it was good. <laughs> but I had no idea. I, I had no idea. So it's you know, for that reason, Godspeed, you're out. <laughs> um I'm totally, and, I'm totally fine with that. I, I do love the Godspeed. And I do I do believe what I said in that I still think there's a lot to unpack and I yeah. listen to it. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 a broken social scene fan. I, I I'm all 
I, I was doing it more for the, the dramatic tension. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, needed, we needed a tiebreaker. Yeah. The first two rounds were, were, were too smooth. Mm-hmm. I, I hard fight. I do hard fights, too, so there's, there's some of that, too. Oh, nice. uh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That, that, that iPod commercial. Mm. <laughs> so, so I have a question for you guys. I'm going to send it back to you, Keith, because bring it, bring you, it. Uh, you know, we often talk about how these tournaments are all about matchups, right? And, and I have a nagging feeling that the war on drugs lost in the dream might have been a better matchup with the uh, broken social scene. You forgot it in people. So my question is, would you guys still have picked uh, You Forgotten in People against uh, Lost in the Dream? Uh, what do you say? Woo! Yeah, it's close, right? You got to love the woos. I, I feel like I have more time with You Forgotten in People, so I, I'm, it, I'm sort of leaning towards that, but I think War on Drugs is a little more impact. Me, so I might go war on drugs. I might. You guys picked God, Godspeed over war on drugs. Know, that's what I'm it wasn't saying. me. It wasn't me. Um, I, I would pick broken social scenes for variety, right? The, it, it, there's there's more more to it, right? Like I love the War on Drugs album and and some of their other albums too, but it's it's kind of more of the same while you're listening to it, right? Just very, very I do think there's a of the part same. of the part of the greatness of you forgotten people is the diversity of the listen, right? It, yeah, it just, it, it just is a, just listen you know, to the two songs we played, right? Just looks just like the sun and lover spit, and you know, I'm still your fag. I mean, these are while it's not like a necessarily you know a thematic album right um it's still you know the collection of songs make or or amplify each other right and and make make the the, some of the parts greater than the individual pieces just you know for whatever whatever reason but it just it does work together as a um as a diverse album that brings together a lot of different elements into you know, ultimately, great listen. So, I'd probably go. You forgot it. You know. All right. So I, I'm glad to hear that. So we ended up with the right album. Right. We got the right pick going. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to. Also, I just don't want everyone to think that uh, you know, broken social scene and Godspeed are one album wonders. Uh, they both have other albums that are worth checking out. If you like these albums, you know, like the self-titled Broken Social Scene album and and really most of Godspeed's albums, uh, you know, but these are our two favorite albums and the, the consensus best albums from them. So uh, we definitely stand by these picks. All right. So we got three out of four done. We're on to the... Was that? Let's bring it home. Let's go. All right. One more. So we got the number seven overall seed in this bracket tool. With the lateral is from 2001 versus the number 10 overall seed, Modest Mouth, with the moon and Antarctica from 2000. So we're going to play the biggest hits from both of these albums now.
Again, uh, Lateralis is going up against the moon and Antarctica. songs we just played with Schism by Tool and Gravity Rides Everything. We've talked about Tool before, both in my NIT tournament with Matt, episode 11, and in round one of this tournament, episode 28. We talked about how unique they are, how their dark music is incredibly atmospheric and moody, yet also edgy and heavy as hell. We mentioned how rabid and insane their fan base is, and how amazing their musicianship is and how great and distinctive their singer is. We also mentioned how unprolific they are. They only have five albums over almost 30 years, and I'm sure it'll be a long while before the next one comes out. All five of Tool's albums are highly worthwhile. The common consensus, and one I agree with, is that 1996 Enema or 2001's Lateralist is their best album. That said, like all their albums, Lateralist is overlong, has some fillerish interludes, and could be more radio friendly. Though Schism, again, which we just played, was and remains a popular radio track. Still, despite its flaws, this album has many outstanding high points and is very well put together. Here's an example. We're going to play the end of Parabol, perfectly flowing into its heavier sibling, Parabola.
those two songs were definitely meant to be played together. Also, as previously mentioned, Danny Carey puts in one of the best rock drumming performances ever on this album. Long story short, Lateralist is on the short list of the most important heavy metal albums from the 2000 onwards, and Tool continues to demand respect as a genre unto themselves. They do what they want, when they want, and they simply make Tool music, which nobody else makes. Lateralist is a classic Tool album. On to Modest Mouse, who recently released their latest album, though I haven't heard it yet. Though, as with their 2015 album, the reviews haven't been great, at least on Rate Your Music, which again is a site we're using to determine the album rankings in this tournament. I'm definitely a fan of Modest Mouse, if not quite as big a fan as my brother Keith, and probably not as big as Larry either. We talked about the band before, about how this album and the prior one, The Lonesome Crowd of West from, two, from 1997, excuse me, are probably their best albums, though they have other very good albums as well, including their rarities and B-sides compilation, Building Nothing Out of Something, which like The Moon in Antarctica also came out in 2000, which is quite a year for the band. If you're not familiar with Modest Mouse, you might be surprised to hear that they had a couple of legit radio hits with Float On and Dashboard, and even a number one U.S. album with We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank in 2007, which was the album when the Smiths' Johnny Marr was in the band. The strengths of Modest Mouse are primarily main singer-songwriter-guitarist, Isaac Brock's strong songwriting, including his excellent, very relatable lyrics, and their musicianship. They're a tight trio who play very well together, and they can do both pretty and rocking very well. Their sound is decidedly indie rock, despite this album being on a major label, and Brock's hyper-shouting vocals, which are very influenced by the Pixies' Black Francis, are definitely in the acquired taste camp, but they also add to the band's uniqueness, and he's capable of singing prettily as well as shouting his head off. I did a pretty detailed run through this album in episode 28, so I'm not going to rehash that here. The best thing about this album is that, like the Tool album, it takes you on a journey. And after the first three songs, and maybe the epic, the stars of projectors, few fans would agree on what the best of the rest of the songs on the album are. It's a consistent album that's filled with many high-quality songs. And my criticisms of the album are minor, namely that this 15-track, near-hour-length album is a bit schizophrenic and overlong. Before I give my verdict, here's a clip from one of the highlights from Side 2, Paper Thin Walls. There she died, I can't be a fool for everyone that I don't know. Shake 
Ultimately, we have two great, if flawed and overlong albums here, but I feel that Tool are the more unique and important band overall. Also, call me petty, but I can't 100% forgive Modest Mouse for beating the White Stripes in the prior round, which really busted up my bracket. Finally, Tool fans frighten me, so I have Tool moving on here. On to you guys. I have a feeling that ladder will be the deciding vote here. So maybe we should break up our usual order and have Keith go next. That's that's fair. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to be the deciding vote too. So, um, so this this matchup did torture me a bit, and I almost felt like it's, you know, whichever, you know, I mentioned that for other matchups, right? Most notably the Titus versus My Morning Jacket, where whichever album you listen to becomes the leading candidate for, you know, to, to win because it's, they're both, they're both great albums. They're both, to Scott's point, they're both long albums. They're sprawling albums. Um, they're important. They are, they're both important albums. I mean, they both came out, you know, around the same time, um, you know, tool, you know, just carries, the you know carries the flag for American metal, um, and they do like you said they do what the fuck they want when they want to do it. Mas Mouse, um, you know, Mas Mouse is carrying the banner for like Americana, you know, music, you know, Americana rock music, you know, into the two thousands, and um, there's a diversity in. Um, you know, it's an eclectic album. Um, you know, it, it's a, you know, it, it's an album that makes you feel, I really do feel like moving at, and the more you listen to it, I think the more you have an appreciation for, you know, how each song has its own, you know, strengths to it and brings something to the table. Um, where on you know on initial listen you don't necessarily pick it up but i think over an extended um you know investment into the album you get something from from just about every song on the album um so i do think that there is a you know a um there's an underlying greatness to the moon that's not apparent you know as apparent on the first listen that just comes through the more and more you listen to where just about every song. And I, I mentioned this, you know, the album ends with what people are made of. And it just, it, it's like a perfect, it is a perfect ending for this, for this album. Um, I'm going to, Larry, you, you have to play the end, the end of what people are made of. It's not a long song. Just find the, find the right part and play it because, you know, just the, the very end, this is why brings, Larry gets the big bucks. It's our team. Right. It just, but it brings home the, like it brings home the album. Like it, it's like you said, it's 15 song deep. You know, it's, a, it's a long album, but you know, it's there's funny some... because what you, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I totally interrupted you there, but can I just say one thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. The, I don't think most people consider that an album highlight, but it's one of those cases where, Maybe not one of the better songs of the album is a perfect album closer. The way right? it finishes, the way it finishes the album to me is just it is a perfect ender for the you know for what they 
what they created with this album, right? I mean, the, the end, you know, it's, it's almost, to me, it's, it's, there's a, almost a wall-like quality to how the songs are, um, you know, they're, they're just narrative, yeah, right? They're entering blasphemy now. <laughs> well, they're just, narr they're not like, they're narratives. They're, they're like little vignettes that are, you know, that, come together in, and I'm not comparing it at all because but it's not I know what you mean. It's a long album. It has short songs. It has a couple of really long songs. Yeah, it's so. just, it's not meant to be sort of like a story like, like The Wall, but. No. <laughs> Fucking love it, man. I fucking love it. Like it just like it ends, right? It just punctuates, boom, we're done. We're out. You know, mic drop, we're out. Um, so my long-winded mic drop type type of closer for for yeah. now, right? Like there's no there's no fade out, there's no yeah, we're not it's done. We're done. We're done. That's it. Um, so my long-winded way of my long-winded way of picking. And again, it's a t it is tough because Tool is fucking epic. You know, it's, you know, it, they're loud, they're confident as hell, right? Like they know what they're creating is, you know, they're going to have their legions who are, who are going to, right, they're going to pillage any town that doesn't, you know, plant the Tool flag. Um, and I'll, you know, if I had to, I'd plant the Tool flag just to get them away from me. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Moon here because I do think that there's just something special about what they put together in you know, those uh, 15 songs. So I'm gonna leave it to Mr. Wallman to, you know, to see what we got. So what was it you were saying about whatever was the last album that you listened to would be your pick? So this for me was going to be the hardest matchup. The other ones I think were pretty straightforward, even the Godspeed one. I mean, again, I, I, I admit, I didn't have a dramatic uh, effect. Um, this is going to be, so I listened to both of these albums today and one of the albums I put on as I was, <laughs> this is going to totally give it away, but one of these albums I put on as I was working out and <laughs> and, 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 and that, yeah, that's the album. <laughs> but you can work out. You can work out to Modest Mouse too. That's not, not quite the same way. You can work out to Modest Mouse. You get those extra ten pounds, whatever. Extra yeah. twenty pounds with two. You're not going to push through those tough reps when you're yeah. listening to Modest Mouse the same way as you're going to be listening to Parabola or Schism. Um, so yeah, I and and actually, I have to admit, I I'm, I surprised myself because not only that I think that I was originally going to go with Moon in Antarctica. And I voted for an Over White Stripes, which is an album I love. And we'll make a good follow-up question after this. Um, I'm, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I know, totally consider myself to be a huge Fool fan, but in listening to Lateralist again, you know, multiple times over the last month or so, as we've been prepping for this and listening to it, it does have an energy. It does have a vibe that I, I just love. And 
again, I'm out of the three of us, I'm probably the least metalhead out of all of us. I, I, I definitely trend more to the more atmospheric, agalahi, opathy, death metal, but yet there's something about this album. Synth pop. What's that? Synth pop. Well, synth pop, but that's not really. <laughs> We're talking about something different now. But there's something about lateral. By the way, again, as part of my research, I went and tried to read a couple of like contemporary reviews. If you've not read the Pitchfork review of this album, it's a must read. One, because it's it's got that typically early 2000s bonkers Pitchfork style where you read the article, it's a or the review, it's a great article. I don't know if it has much to do with the music itself. And there's a complete dissonance between the rating, which is a 1.9, and the review, where in the review, he talks about how much he likes it and how much music goes in cycles and that he totally admits that Danny Carey is the best drummer in rock and that he would fight anybody that, that disagrees with him. But yet he gives but, a- but you see that 1.9, how do you even continue? Like, that's a, that's a joke. Makes no sense, right? It makes no sense at all. But yet, if you read the review, you if you, if you read the review without there being a number, you would think that he liked it and thinks that it's a great album. It's it's a it's a completely bonkers review. Anyway, <laughs> I do think that I, I also agree that I think he's one of the best drummers in rock, and that you know we should fight anybody who disagrees. Um, there's just there's an energy and a vibrancy to the album. Yes, of course, I, I was working out when I listened to it for the last time, but that that continues. And, and I do feel as though because I, I don't know, maybe because they're so whatever the opposite of prolific is. So, you know, red, yeah, I'm prolific reticent in like releasing new albums. It just makes the their albums that, that are out there even better. I don't know necessarily which one I think is the better album but because this is just more in my head and it happens to be the one that's in the tournament to my surprise tool is going on right. i love i love yeah i love the tool album i love the vibe that it, that it gives off yeah um so i'm i'm cool with tool um makes for a but, better matchup yeah, and I feel yeah. like uh, you know it's a little bit vindication for uh, Modest Mouse beating the White Stripes. Revenge, not vindication. Revenge. Revenge is- <laughs> but for Keith, White Stripes against Tool, who wins? Tool. Yeah. Wow, you really? Uh, I had the white. I would add. I would add the White Stripes beating Tool. You you really? No, no. I was I was on the I was on the fence about. Uh, that's how on the fence I was about this matchup. Whereas, uh, Mouse Mouse, honestly, I I just feel like there is a specialness to that album. You know, it's it's unique. It's it's rep, you know representative of an era. Um, you know, it's carrying a flag for indie you know indie music at the time. Um, and the songs just are, they're great songs. They they really are, and they're different. Um. But you know, lateralist is awesome, right? It's like you listen to it and you, you know, you lose your shit. Yeah, those peaks are, are pretty, pretty monumental. Um, you said, well, I agree that they, you know, Modest Mouse is one of the bands that flies that flag of indie, even when they're on a major label, right? They have it in the sound. I don't agree with with what you said about them being Americana. I mean, to me, anyway, it's the uh, 
You know, that's like folk or country roots music. So I, I, that, that label I wouldn't go with. But uh, I just think there's a they're flying American indie music. Like uh, right there, Americana is like a specific thing. I though. I get it, but like if you think about you know the theme, the thematics within the album, it sort of is uh, very much an American like indie rock album. Is. I'll I'll go with that American, but not Americana. <laughs> a couple of final notes. Uh, do you know that Sun Kill Moon did a, a whole album of Modest Mouse covers? We talked I, about Sun Kill Moon. I did know that. I don't think I don't, I don't love it, but I did know that. Yeah. Well, of course, it sounds way more like a Sun Kill Moon album yeah. or a Marcos-like album than a, than a Modest Mouse album. But you know that shows the kind of respect that Modest Mouse would get that that a respected guy like him in a band like that would do a whole album of covers from them. So, you know, I think that alone is, is kind of cool and impressive. Uh, also, I'm going to quote Wikipedia here because I like this anecdote about the band and, and Brock in particular. The band licensed Gravity Rides Everything for a Nissan Quest minivan ad, the move that Brock has publicly acknowledged as blatantly commercial but necessary to achieve financial stability. Regarding the commercial, Brock stated, people who don't have to make their living playing music can bitch about my principles while they spend their parents' money or wash dishes for some asshole. I like that, man. You know, I like that Brock sticks up for himself here, you know, yeah, against the anti-sellout police. The guy's got to eat. It's all right. I think it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Because that's kind of a pet peeve of mine, the whole indie cred being a badge of honor. Like like you said, uh Right, when you when doesn't quit. pay the bills, right? So right when when half of them quit their band because they got actually their yeah. wives are you know asking where's uh where's the formula money coming for you know for baby. All right, I think we're done. Right, we're gonna recap now. Um, Do it. All right, so uh, to recap this episode, which again started round two of this tournament, here's what happened. Radiohead's Kid A unanimously beat Agalog. I, I know I'm still saying it wrong, but I, I can't help myself. It's getting better, though. The Mantle, which we, we all still love regardless. The Strokes, Is This It? beat Bone Evers for Emma Forever Ago. So this sets up an, an epic matchup of two albums that, again, would probably make my final four with Kid A. And Is This It? You know, maybe even my final two. So that's one of those great matchups where something's got to give. So uh, that should be a great conversation. As for the other matchups in this episode, Broken Social Scenes, You Forgot It In People, Beat, Godspeed, You Black Empress, You Lift Your Skinny Fist Like Antennas to Heaven, and Tools Lateralist, Beat, Modest Mouse, The Moon, and Antarctica. By the way, I, 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 I do write these recaps beforehand, and I got all four right. Just Just saying. <laughs> Well, that's good. Weren't you, weren't you two for four in the last one? I was two for four in that those were my picks, but not really in who I thought would win because I thought I would be outvoted in those two. Oh, okay. so I believe I was still four for four. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, apparently Scott texted the other day and said that he already had the final four matchup, so 
I do, I do. It probably will work out that way. We'll see what happens. I think we may have some surprises in store. Well, uh, so, I'm assuming they're still alive, right? They are, they are. Um, so I think I, I said everything right. Uh, so we'll have Broken Social Scene versus Tool in the next round. I'm not sure. I got to be honest. I'm not sure I'm going to pick in that matchup. Uh, but my apologies in advance to all the wonderful Tool fans out there if I do end up picking Broken Social Scene. Next episode, we'll continue and finish round two with four more matchups consisting of winners from round one. Once again, I had fun talking tunes with you guys in this episode. Have a good night, everyone. Night, everybody. Nice. Please.